everybody, you're about to hear a truly fun episode that we recorded with Melissa and Nelly. Melissa is, of course, the founder and CEO behind Mischief Management, the group that, among many awesome conventions, puts together LeakyCon every year. We recorded this episode, I want to say early July, mid-July sounds about right to me. And as you're about to hear in the episode, at the time, Melissa, we, and, and really the world, were, were pretty confident that events were going to be happening in the fall because vaccination rates were on the rise, cases were on the decline, and Delta variant was not yet a prevalent thing in our society. Of course, since that awesome episode we did, we recorded with Melissa, um, Delta variant has spiked and the country and the world is going back on uh, a bit of a, a cautionary kind of, I don't want to say the L word, lockdown. Um, but that's kind of where we're at. So, you know, Melissa and her team made the tough decision to postpone LeakyCon to next year being 2022. Um, having said all that, our episode is still truly awesome with her. And we're so grateful that she took the time to, to speak with us and um, we covered a lot of great ground. So we're really excited to share that. Danny, when is LeakyCon 2022 happening? All right. So for Orlando, it is still slated for July 29th through 31st. And then for October, it is no longer Halloween weekend. It will be October 14th through 16th in Denver. So those are the new dates. And where can people go to find that information online? LeakyCon.com. You can also follow them on the Instagram at LeakyCon. So, and then another thing that is happening, this episode is airing on September 2nd, the day after we celebrate Back to Hogwarts. So over on my Instagram, at Mandrakes and Mischief, I have joined up with some friends. Uh, you will recall Paula at Unconceivable, and we are doing a month-long photo prompt challenge. It's called uh, Back to Hogwarts. You can find us at hashtag Back to Hogwarts Magic, and we would love for you to join on any day that you can. We also will be doing a Pass the Wand Challenge for the final day of the month, so if you want to take part in that, just feel free to shoot me a message and we'll get you involved. And beyond that, I hope you enjoy this episode. Before we dive into today's frankly incredible episode, we just got done recording it. And I know I say every episode is one of my favorites, but this one really is one of my favorites. Um, before we get into it, um, just wanted to give people a bit of a, a content warning heads up here. We talk among a wide ranging conversation, we do talk a fair bit about. JKR and her hateful transphobic comments and rhetoric. If that's not your cup of tea, totally understandable. Of course, we'll, we'll happily see you next week for another amazing Creative Magic episode. Um, we also talked super briefly about cyberstalking. Super briefly, for those of you who know our guest Melissa and Ellie's story, you know what we're talking about. Um, but again, if that's not your cup of tea, we'll see you next week. Totally fine. No hurt feelings here. Um, but with that, let's get into the episode. Today we are here with Steven. You know, usually during this little intro, I give my best stand-up, uh, poor stand-up at that, but we don't have time for that today, y'all. We have a special episode um, that I have been excited about since Danny told me we got it on the books a couple weeks ago. Today we are speaking with someone who, quite frankly, doesn't necessarily need an introduction in the fan community here, but... We're going to do it anyway. Um, she is the author of the New York Times bestseller, Harry History. She is a founding member of what is now Fandom Forward, what was the Harry Potter Alliance, a nonprofit org using the power of story and popular culture to make activism accessible and sustainable. She is the web mistress running the Leaky Cauldron, which is, of course, the longest running and most comprehensive Harry Potter news hub on the web. She is the founder and CEO of Mischief Management, uh, promoting, putting out fan events, encouraging community and creativity, bringing us some wonderful stuff at BroadwayCon, PodcastCon, Con of Thrones, and of course, LeakyCon. Most importantly, she is friends with Mallory Rubin and Jason <laughs> Concepcion. Welcome to Creating Magic, Melissa and Ellie. Hello, how's a very nice introduction. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, like, first question straight out of the gate is how slash do you sleep at all? 
I will tell you that in previous years, and where a lot of all this, everything that you just mentioned, plus all the podcasts, et cetera, kind of germinated, I didn't much. <laughs> I didn't. I I was, and I don't, I don't say it as a recommendation for anybody's particular lifestyle. It probably was a little unhealthy, but I've always been uh, the kind of person that just, when you want to do something, you kind of can't stop me. So I just kind of kept going. And um, in in recent years, especially once I found my um, my partner, my person, um, that has changed a lot. And I value I value sleep very highly now and and downtime. But I also have a bigger team, which allows me which allows me to do that. I was reading an article from I guess around 2015, back around the genesis of of BroadwayCon when you were talking about finally bringing on an EA and yeah. how that just made your calendar simultaneously more crazy, but also a lot more digestible and manageable. I I can't fathom. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I don't do any work here. Danny does all the hard work. I just show up and say things for a couple hours at a time. Um, but kudos to you. So to begin, uh, let's go back to Georgetown. Sure. I have to say all hail the mighty AU Eagles. Uh, where there's a fight, we'll see it through. Uh, go AU. Um, but that is, of course, where your Harry Potter story begins. Uh, talk to us about that. Talk to us about um, that that final semester and, and getting into Potter for the first time. Yeah, last year, my sister came down with my family to help set me up. She had never seen, or I think she saw it once, but she wanted to come down again and, and you know, spend a little time with me at Georgetown. And I had all these heavy books and this very, you know, I had switched from pre-med to um, pure English major. And so I was sort of still in catch-up mode even in my last year. And so I had a lot in my gen ed stuff. And she was looking at all my books that I was purchasing and thought, oh man, you really need to read the first Harry Potter book. You need something to like, you know, something else to do. Of course, we didn't, you know, if we'd had the internet the way we do now and TikTok and things like that, she may not have she may have thought you have enough distractions it's fine you have enough distractions at your fingertips but then it was like no you need something to actually wind down with and so she gave me uh she put the the, the first harry potter book like on my stack of books and I, I was gonna get to it i was gonna get to it i was gonna get to it but i've like many younger siblings through time and memoriam can't resist doing what my older sister tells me to do and so i did eventually read it and of course i fell deep and it was through reading it in school then and falling so deeply in love with it and then finding out that at the newspaper at Georgetown where I was a latecomer, because again, I was pre-med, but I, was, I, was, I wasn't I was a latecomer to the newspaper, I'd always been on it, but I was a latecomer to the editing stages. I was a latecomer to the, like, actually being involved in the production of the thing. Um, and I always felt a little bit on the outside. And I found out that one of the coolest people at the paper was also a massive fan and she was so excited for me that I was going to finish before and we were going to go have lunch which we did and it just sort of I'd always known this because I've been I've been a rent head and I've been just a just a giant fan of things my whole life but that reinforcement of a shared interest can make a relationship bloom so fast and so wonderfully uh really kind of formulated what happened after graduation which is that when I you know didn't have a job and uh September 11th happened and and the world looked like it would never turn around. Um, Harry Potter was there for me and I started to, I guess, be there for Harry Potter too. Can you put yourself back in your shoes at that time and what the series meant to you on that first read and certainly as the movie started coming out on first watch? The movies were a whole different experience because the, the movies I was already working on Leaky and I don't think I experienced a single Harry Potter movie without that wasn't through that lens. First, first time we weren't reporting on anything. Fans weren't allowed to report on anything. So first time in the movie, I just went to the Uptown Theater in DC where I was happened to be that weekend and saw it myself. It was fun, but it wasn't like a big moment, uh, press moment the way that 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 they were in the future. So maybe that was my purest. But back in discovering it for the first time, I mean. I just remember feeling so overcome with emotions when Harry was fighting all by his lonesome in that graveyard at the end of four. It was just, it just made you feel like you were on his side so intrinsically. You just, you just needed him to win. You wanted him to win. You needed him to win. And 
you wanted to spend time in that world. Also some mystery. I grew up reading mysteries. Um, big Agatha Christie fan, big Nancy Drew fan, any mystery I could read. Mary King's Clark, I read all of them that my mother had in her closet, you know, like that. I love to piece things, puzzle things out. And so trying to figure out the clues that she had laid through all this series was a big part of it for me as well. So when I needed book five and it wasn't there, I, I found all the communities that were that we're starting to discuss and pick apart the book together. So what was it like and your choices behind finding those communities to starting the process of creating a community within Harry Potter? So I went to, um, as I said, I went, I went to school to be a doctor. So we see how that turned out. But I also um, decided in the middle of my college career that I was I thought I was good enough at writing and reporting that I could maybe make a go of it. And I knew I wanted to be a reporter. And the only place I could get news about the fandom, about not about the fandom, about the phenomenon, the only place that was treating Harry Potter like what it eventually became a pretty intense news beat was the Leaky Cauldron. It was, I cannot, I cannot overstate how uncommon it was to do news on a fan site at that time. Maybe, maybe, maybe the one ring.net was already doing it when Leaky was doing it. Um, MuggleNet wasn't doing it. Nobody was doing it, but Leaky. And I remember um, going on this site and thinking, wait, oh, they're just reporting what's going on. It's like, this is great. It's like a beat. And so I started um, looking things up and sending them to them. And then I, I, I went down to the, to a store the day before the first, the first photos were supposed to come out for, um, what's it called? Uh, the first movie when Annie Lee Lewitz had done, had done the, the, that famous photo shoot of like Hermione sitting on the, on the table and Harry under the, in the closet. Um, and I got them a day early and I committed, you know, copyright infringement and scanned them and sent them to, to Leaky because to me, I didn't care about the rest of the world. The fans needed to see this and the fans needed to see this now and leaky was how that happened. And so I sent it, I sent it in um, just out of pure excitement, whatever. And that was the point at which the person who ran leaky said, you know, maybe you should like just join the team. <laughs> maybe we'll stop you emailing us. And so, and so, and so I did again, see above RE not sleeping. And I, um, I knew, I knew something was amazing there, um, but it was September 11th that really drove it home because that day, and everybody's got a different story and it sounds so wild to say that September 11th had something to do with Harry Potter, but it did. That, it was very early in the fandom. The communities were really still coalescing. And that day was so crazy. That day was so crazy for everybody. The internet kept going in and out. I didn't know where my family was because we're in New York. It was it was a day of high stress, but somehow I remember um, I remember everybody asking me about my family. Everybody checking in with me. People asking me how how could they possibly live in a world where this kinds of things can happen and on and on. And that that strong feeling of the benefit of being of a community um, kind of I think that kind of like set the glue that day that said I was going to be part of this community, you know, going forward and that being part of online communities was going to be part of my life. How did you make the choice to actually start pursuing, like just take a step up at Leaky Cauldron and and go from someone scanning and photocopying, you know, uh, you know, images to becoming managing editor and getting editorial control, right? That That's a big leap. Right, don't get me wrong. I love what we do here at Creating Magic, and Lord knows I wish I could have a sustainable income off of it, but I, I don't necessarily know that I even have the wherewithal to say, hey, I could do this full time, and here's exactly how I would. How did you, as someone so so young and fairly inexperienced in the world at that time of, of uh, journalism and beat following, how, how did you have that vision? How did you find that path? It was all kind of pure back then. John and I, who I was, uh, I met in 2002 and he eventually became my second in command and on Leaky and is um, still one of my best friends and we do podcasts together, et cetera, John Noe. Um, we would just have so much fun getting together with the team, thinking about what was the cool thing we could do on the site next? What was the cool way we could get, the, things didn't exist the way they do now 
that make things easy. So for instance, when we wanted to gather the information for, we thought there should be a site where if you wanted to go to a midnight Harry Potter party, you can find all that information. That would be easy to pull together now. It would be a matter of a couple of emails, a couple of phone calls, et cetera. It was, I can't even tell you, dozens of people contacting every bookstore they could find, uh, getting centralized contacts to send us like their full list, and then programming custom the code that would, that would search that and show it up. Or on April Fool's Day, creating a whole search site called Ask Peeves, just just for fun. Um, or when we had a new design coming, hiding question marks all over the website for people to, for people to go, be, this was like before like brand marketing stuff, you know? Everything came from a pure perspective of what's the most fun we can have with the fans next? How can we keep, you know, this would be cool was the basic call to action. And so eventually it became a supporting thing, but I don't think there was a time when Leaky was ever my completely full-time job. I had my job as a reporter, which I left when I sold my book. Um, and then like Leaky supported it a little bit and I paid other people, but mostly it was like paying bills and and, and paying and paying supporters, um, but paying uh, staff, um, nothing extravagant, you know? Um, so I think it was a little bit of, of, of idealistic, kind of stupidity on my part because if today looking today looking back at it now that I run a, an actual business and 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 have employees and you know all, all of that um I and I, if I had made a business plan at the time there's nothing there was no evidence that it was going to continue or that or that um I had even a good budget in mind, you know, I could have made one eventually, but it was all very much, how can we just connect with the fans as best we can and go forward? That's where the podcast came from. We heard about this thing called podcasts. We were like, oh, that would be, let's do that. That sounds fun. Let's just do that. Now podcasting is, I mean, my goodness, everybody, you know, sees it as, as so essential. And back then we didn't know what the heck we were getting into, but it was another way to connect with the fans. So we were, so we were excited about it. So I wish I could say it was all so like strategic and thought out. It was just fun and cool, which I think if you are privileged the way I was and am to be able to do that in your early career, that's the time, right? There's nothing, I didn't have a, a partner. I didn't have kids. I didn't have a, a mortgage, you know, it was, that's the time for experimentation and, and and figuring out the next step. And and luckily enough, that led to um, that led to my book, and that led to me being able to leave my reporting job, and then that led to founding Mischief. Danny, you know, Melissa did mention paying staff in in that. Um, if you want to start sending a paycheck my way, <laughs> I'm not going to say no. You have my address. When there is money, though, Danny, <laughs> that's the key. Now he gets I don't know paid much. in my friendship. <laughs> I'm not like a giant business expert or anything like that, but I will give you one key business tip. Tip: Only send money when there's money. Noted, I will, I will make that rule number one about paying Steven. <laughs> With the Potter community specifically, it really seems like that was the long, at least for me, like I knew there was a big Star Trek following. I know Star Wars had fans, and that they were engaged in it, but like Harry Potter was the first fandom where I felt like I was an active participant in the fandom and not just kind of watching from the sidelines and being a part of com the community. Like Stephen and I met because we were at a Harry Potter event. Like, One of ours? No, we were at um, the official celebration of Harry Potter. Oh. But then the first time we met after that was at LeakyCon Dallas. Cool. I'll tell you, so before Danny gets to whatever astute question she's going to have, I did not know a fan community existed before 2018. Mm -hmm. um, I moved to Florida and happened to get a mailer for Celebration Harry Potter. And I was like, I don't know what the hell this is, but sure, I'll spend $2,000 on a vacation 45 minutes away. Sounds great. Um, mm -hmm. And I show up there and I meet all these people who are now my best friends. And at this event, they say, you have to come to Dallas this summer. You have to come to Dallas. And I say, sure, if you say so. Um, and, and, and we'll get to, we'll get to mischief and we'll get to leaky in a little bit, but when I tell you life altering, I, the understatement of the entire run of this podcast, I don't, I don't think this podcast exists, uh, without the bonds that we made at leaky, um, and the bonds that we continue to make at leaky. 
There's um, nothing that makes me happier than that. Literally nothing. Yeah, that's Not definitely the-, the event that like cemented our friendships. Cool. That's what we work for. And I know a lot of not every con company works for that specifically, but it really is in the blood at Mischief. It's so interesting to like, because before all that, like as Stephen said, like if you didn't find that community, you really, Stephen and I were both like, oh, the Harry Potter kid in our friend groups growing up. Like, you know, you were that one yep. person that really loved Harry Potter and you found someone that liked it and then you get into it and you're like, oh, they're not there yet. Right, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I was going to save this until the end because I thought it was a perfect way to end the episode, but Danny, you just got me there. So I'm going to read this abridged quote that you gave to BuzzFeed a handful of years back, Melissa, which was, you know, as a child, so much of my geekiness was solitary. I built an emotional fort around the things I was interested in to keep them close. But as I got older, the joyful part of being a geek was in sharing. The books, graphic novels, TV shows, and movies I was obsessed with were not just a means for escape, but a way to parse out friendships and solidify my own ideas about how I engage with the world. Finding my tribe through the shared experience of fandom eased the pain of feeling like an outcast, and finding ways to express that joy with people made me feel like I belonged. So I, I, I guess the, the, the softball question that tee up is, it sounds like your lived experience very much informs the lifeblood of everything that y'all do at Mischief. Um, I guess speak to that. I don't really have a question so much as a, like a thank you and I, I agree. First of all, I appreciate that. I It sounds that I haven't read that article in a, in a, in a real long time, um, but as you said it, I remember the words and it's absolutely true, all that. Um, we also at Mischief, the reason it comes through the lifeblood of Mischief is that every we hire for it as well. Um, most of the people on the team were part of those early those early years, and um, it, you don't have to be a Harry Potter fan to be to be hired at Mischief. But we do look for people who are passionate about their their lives and who who love things, especially in in key positions, you know, like programming and things like that. Event planning is not a in a, a business you go into to make money. It's not a business you go into to make your fortune. It's it's not. It's one you you do it out of love on on some level. Yes, it's a job. Everything's that's a job is a job, and it should be treated that way. It shouldn't be, um, um, you know, you you have to be able to put your job away at the end of the day. But with con organizers in specific, there's always going to be a little element of I love this because otherwise I'm an event planner. I'm a logistical wizard. I get hired anywhere. <laughs> And, you know, um, the people that I work with are some of the most amazing, creative and um, heartfelt people that that I've ever known. And the reason those ideals run through mischief is is because of them. I'm only, you know, one piece of it. And they they really they really keep it alive and keep it grounded. And when my head is spinning off its axis because of, you know, budgets and COVID and other concerns, they're really the ones to bring it back and remind us all of, you know, why we're here and why we do what we do. And why we do what we do is every convention that we do, there comes a moment, I guess. I never know what exactly it is. At LeakyCon, it's usually uh, the Friday night when people are having fun at the rock concert and things like the event is is off and running. It's settled. No, no big emergencies. People are having a good time. I can breathe a little bit. And then I look at night and people are having a great time with the rock concert. I see friendships being made and I just walk around and I put turn off my phone and I just kind of walk around and just take it all in, watch the little moment when people are swapping numbers and people are looking at something together on their phone or, or laughing in their cosplay and stuff like that. That That is fuel to us because it's, oh God, there's, there's I, can't, I wish I could express, there's nothing better than seeing the work you do actually literally shape, shape lives in the moment, you know? So yeah, and knowing that, I grew up, you know, with my family making fun of me because I was never at a party without a book in my hand or being told I was wasting all my time on the internet. What are you doing on the internet? You're wasting all your time. You're so smart. Why are you on the internet all the time? Or being told that just because I I, I, I love something, nothing, nothing like exciting or good could ever 
necessarily come from that. Um, that's not true. None of that's true. Even it doesn't have to be your career for it to be like something good that's come from it, you know? Um, so it's really gratifying to get to <laughs> exact my revenge through all these conventions. With the conventions, where did that transition happen from working on the website to doing all the writing and being a journalist to all of a sudden being like, let's do an in-person event? <laughs> it's a weird jump. Um, so at another event in 2007, the book had just come out. It was an event called um, Prophecy. And we were dancing in uh, somebody's hotel room at two o'clock in the morning. Somebody had thrown like a like an unofficial party. And my leaky cauldron staff was almost all there. We couldn't wait to see each other after the last book came out. It was sort of like this breath that we all took together. And they, they were saying to me a lot of times over the weekend, like, hey, I think we can do this. Why shouldn't Leaky have a convention? And the idea was sticking. And that night in that party room, people that just, just like, we could totally do this. We could, we could, we will have the fun patrol instead of security. It'd be amazing. You know, all those silly things you say to each other when an idea is fresh and new, but it just stuck. And I looked around at everybody excitedly talking about what a Leaky Con could be. I realized, oh no, we're going to we're going to do this. And so they came to me with a proposal. I signed my name to something that could have bankrupted me forever. <laughs> Absolute forever. If you've ever signed a hotel contract for an event, you know what I'm talking about. If that thing had been gone a little less well, we would have, it would have been a very d different situation. We lost money on it. I had to borrow some money from some people to get not, not like bad people, like my parents, people, but I had to borrow some money to get us through it. Um, and on that level, it was um, hard and difficult, but on the level that we wanted, which was creative and we wanted to see the fans put first and we wanted to see um, see people, you know, live out their Hogwartsy dreams. Um, it was a success on, on all of those levels. So we came out of that weekend all excited thinking we'll do it once, one more time. We have, we booked the Florida hotel for the weekend of 2011, the weekend of the, the movie premiere um, of the last film. We were terrified they were going to change the date. They didn't change the date. It ended up being that weekend. It was as we went from 750 people in Boston to 3,500 people. And actually, the way we would talk about that number. So when you see a convention number and somebody says, oh, 120,000 people went to this convention. Well, 40,000 people went to the convention over three days. That's how convention math works. So if I'm really doing the math on the initial event, it would have been 2,000 people. And then the other one would have been 10,000 people a day. So 30,000 people in the second. I can't even think in those terms. Anyway, it was like five or six times as big the second one. No, 15,000, not 30,000. What is my brain doing? Math, thank God for calculators. When that happened, we had thought that was gonna be the last one. And then on the Friday night, there was a rock concert about the time that Ivana Lynch strapped on a bass guitar and played, played with Harry and the Potters. The place just went so crazy and people wouldn't leave when the night was over. They would not leave the room. And I eventually like went on stage to say, okay, everybody, Lights are coming. See you tomorrow. Leave. We're going to get charged money. Leave. And instead, I came on stage and people started shouting, thank you. LeakyCon is my home. Thank you, LeakyCon staff. And it was just, just this incredible moment. And that was sort of, though we had been feeling it all weekend, that was sort of when we turned around and we're like, all right, something real is happening here and we need to try and make it legit. So we worked for a couple more years and in 2014 started to hire people and suddenly I was an event business owner. But you gotta be a little bit dumb to, to be a to be a to take the kind of risk um, that you take. And so if you're the I always I always joke that I'm like the dumbest person who, you know, in the room <laughs> signed up to be at the top of this thing. Um, but really um, it's, it's a mixture of bravery and um, foolhardiness that is the classic Gryffindor attitude that leads you to do what I do. Yeah, it's it's funny. You know, like we said, we, we met, our friend group met originally at the parks at Celebration, but I think we became friends, right? Our, our troll in the bathroom was, you know, at Leaky in Dallas in 2018. I, 
I was just a guy with wide eyes having no idea what I was getting into. And I was with Danny who had been to fan events before and our, our friends, Brandy and Chelsea, who are always two of the most photographed cosplayers at any event you go to. And I am always the photographer. You are welcome people who have photos with Brandy and Chelsea. Um, and it just absolutely crystallized our bond. And um, yeah, you know, Danny and I, what we love more than anything else at a convention is the vendor marketplace. Uh, we love panels and we go to panels and we will forever enjoy panels. Um, but we don't really cosplay. We spend our time, well, Danny cosplays a little bit, um, but you know, we spend our time enjoying the vendors and be it, you know, oh geez, there's so many good ones. I'm going to leave people out, but you know, Dylan, Nikki, and Rawson from from um, and Tweak or the Jaime Twins, or of course, essentially the unofficial mascot slash third co-host of this podcast, Sydney Dean from Sid Sketch. Oh, who I, yeah, I know, I know you love her too, right? Like, my life genuinely has become. Uh, I don't even know what the right word would be, but has become. Uh, intertwined with the friendships and the relationships and the experiences that we have uh, at Leaky and around Leaky over the years. Um, I mean, if you yeah. go back to the history of this podcast, this was literally planned of when Stephen and I were walking around Boston at LeakyCon Boston. Cool. Oh, at, oh, at 19. Uh, yeah. And at, wait at, a second. Yes. Yeah. Yes. LeakyCon Boston 2019 was when the idea of this podcast was hatched. Cool. And then that end of that December, we launched. That's the kind of thing that people don't, I, I say very often, fandom and being passionate about something can be more, can create more than just the thing you're passionate about. Because we've seen it happen over and over and over again. I've seen the special guests that we invite become lifelong friends and, and work in each other's stuff. You see it with Starkid, you see it with the Lizzie Bennett people, you see it with, you know, a lot of the people that that that, that we've featured over the years. Um, it's exciting to see them go on and, and make professional connections and, and do more together. Um, you see it in fans having a place to air their frustrations sometimes about, about the series. God knows we're probably in for some more of that in the future. Um, and, you know, but Fans have a voice in the things they love. You don't, you don't, before fandom was this as developed as it is, um, you didn't hear back from fans as much as you do, which sounds like a little bit of a tautological statement. Like, of course you do because fandom's more developed, but the idea of loving something so much that you're the one to best criticize it is still being sort of accepted and, and, and understood even even by myself even even over time having that be a part of fandom you know it, the the long the long point i'm making is that um figuring out your opinions making friends starting a project um using something you love to launch yourself into something bigger is a really valuable use of time i'm not saying it's what everybody has to do with their whole life and career but these days that we spend together um, connecting and starting at the shared basis of the love of one thing often leads to so much. And I wish I could make like a map, one of those clouds where you can track everybody, you know, back to back to wh whatever event they met at, because it's, it's, I think so much happens there that we never even, we don't even identify at the time, you know. And before we get into this October and Denver, I would be remiss if I didn't mention, you know, one of the more powerful things about LeakyCon. Um, a is y'all's continual commitment to giving back to nonprofit organizations and, and, and helping out other groups. But of course, B, the continued presence of Esther Earl, Esther's memory and her family's presence at conventions, which is something I stumbled into quite honestly in Boston in 2019 um, I, I, when, I, when I found their booth. Um, that's just, that. that's really, both of those are equally special and equally as powerful in, in different ways. And one of those things that I think it's easy to almost go unnoticed, um, kind of under underneath all the excitement of being at an awesome convention. Talk about something coming from these things. I mean, at LeakyCon 09, at our first event, we invited John and Hank Green, who were kind of 
kind of known, <laughs> a little bit known, um, but people on our staff liked them. They sang that funny Harry Potter song. So we, we brought them in and they were delightful. And at that event, John met Esther and their friendship was formed. And, and Esther, who was a longtime uh, participant in the Harry Potter community, who who we kept in touch with over the, over the next couple of years, who unfortunately passed in 2010. That inspired The Fault in Our Stars, which as, as we all know, kind of launched John into the stratosphere. Um, and what has come from that and what those guys are able to do with their, their prominence, which has not been insignificant. Like, you never know, the person you're gonna meet that changes, completely changes your life and we're really proud whenever we look back on those things and yeah giving giving has always been a big part I mean I was I was doing the, the numbers a couple of a couple of days ago and it's it's well I think it's well over 250k that we've given over over the past uh 10 years or so or whenever whenever the heck we started um to various organizations and we've um always tried to have presence of local local community organizations that we give free presents to and we've tried to um, we've had arts grants and and we've given just a ton of stuff away in donations we've done you know it's part of building a community is being you know giving back to that community and we could always do it better and we can always do do it more but it's a big part of our it's a big part of our lives you guys had to cancel was it two events with covid yeah. No, it was only two leaky cons. Did you have other leaky con, con of thrones? Luckily, well, we didn't have a we didn't have an in person Broadway con this year. We had a virtual Broadway con this year. Yeah, we've had to move a lot of stuff. Leaky con Orlando, we moved twice. We moved Denver once. We moved Broadway con out of the physical world. So that's one, two, three, four. Podcast con had to be moved. Probably will have to be moved again. And by the time uh, this comes out, it will be public also that just keep this between us for now, but Con of Thrones, we're gonna end up canceling because we can't find the same space in the same time. So we're just gonna go ahead and cancel it while that's an option to us and kind of bring it back for the future. So yeah, it's been rough. It's been a rough two years, two years, one year. It feels like a lot more than one year. Right? You'll always have had the experience though of, and I know you're happily partnered, but looking into Joe Dempsey's eyes. So I will, I will, you know, that's something he I can't actually, say I've done. I would say he actually came to a party also at, at the, at the, at Con of Thrones. And it was just wild to be having a drink and chatting with Joe Dempsey. Because <laughs> somebody's, you know, they go do their own thing. They don't want to come to somebody's hotel room, like a little suite where people were gathering, but he did. And it was, he was delightful. Very nice person. Yeah. Joe Dempsey's eyes, not a joke. Um, I will say though, who are talking, if we're talking in, in those terms, the person that I met off screen that is the most stunning in person, like, you know, you meet you meet celebrities and, and you're like, yes, that's a very good looking human. You know, like, that's just, it's like, yes, you're a normal looking human. You're better looking than probably most people you meet. And then with makeup and everything is when you get like the on-screen thing, right? The person that is possibly better looking in person is Nikolai Coster-Waldo. Oh my God. The whole, the whole staff, just kept kept every when they met him they're like have you seen him it's usually you're, you're ready for like a little bit of difference a little bit of like they look more normal in person no he looks even more radiant in person so there danny will we yeah. allow a slight tangent here while we're talking about other, sure. other things always so i just gotta say because i know you obviously have seen it as well chemistry between anthony ramos and melissa barrera yeah. Uh, oh my goodness. Look, I, I am a very, a, a male who is very comfortable in his sexuality, but if I saw Anthony Ramos, I do not know how I would contain myself. <laughs> that man's got a smoldering look. He's got the boyish charm. He's got the muscles when he's, when they're doing the carnival and he's like standing out, the muscles are popping out of his neck. Oh, good, good God. Anywho, anywho uh, Harry Potter, Danny. With, with BroadwayCon, we get to we get to see all these people very briefly because they come like they come into BroadwayCon, they leave they leave BroadwayCon. So I know Anthony Ramos has been to BroadwayCon, but I've never quite um, spoken to him. By all accounts, he's a super cool dude. So after coming out of a year of cancellations, moving things around, and with the hopes that things will be starting up again, what is it like making that transition with so much? uncertainty of what may happen it's been i won't lie it's been a year 
it's been a rough year. I mean, somebody, uh, my friend Maureen tweeted something about JK Rowling and somebody answered her with, you know, um, it, it was, it was something about like in 2020, in 2020, we saw the canceling of all events and JK Rowling. And I just think about Melissa Nelly a lot. It was something like, like, um, like, uh, I, I want to feel bad about about my 2020, but then I think about how events and JK Rowling were canceled all in one year, and I think about Melissa and I, you know, it was very, it was very funny. Um, it's been a year, and it's um, it's hard. We've definitely had some trouble staying afloat. We're gonna make it. We're gonna make it through. We have a couple of really cool things in the pipeline that we are either ready going to be ready to announce this fall or ready to announce um or or hope hoping to land that we get announced in the future so there's we've got leaky Con will be back leaky Con will be back and broadway Con will be back and i will say that i am excited to be out of this period so that i could always look back and say you know what if we can make it through that there's nothing we can't make it through also like we're still figuring out what leaky Con's going to look like the irony of running a harry potter convention while also speaking out strongly against the views of the author is not lost on any of us. It's also really hard for everybody on the staff. Everybody on the staff is pro-trans rights. Most of the staff is queer. You know, it's, it's very, there's a very deep cut to all of our hearts, what she is, what she is doing. And so figuring out how to do what we do and not just depart the field, not just not just give up the fan space that we've created and fought for and and built in the margins all this time is hard <laughs> but we are gonna we are here to figure it out and we're going to figure it out with the community and um when we get out of this time and we're stronger and we have a better event for it then we'll be glad that we put in the work i think there's another layer of irony in all of this of course um I spent way too much time looking at Georgetown stuff preparing for this episode. Um, you went you went back to campus, I guess, a decade ago, and one of the things you said when talking at the time about the Leaky Cauldron was that you know we're trying to be more about more than just the Harry Potter books and the Harry Potter movies, but be about everything that Harry Potter's been affected by and everything Harry Potter's affected. And so now you come to where we are, and I think you know LeakyCon, and I'd like to say, for what it's worth, creating magic podcast has always been about the community and the people, and not necessarily the source material. But now that divide is more visible and and uh, frankly, you know, raw and more open than ever. Beyond, of course, the excitement of being able to walk through the doors in Denver on the 29th of October and see people again. Yeah. How how are you thinking about? How are you feeling about? You know, being you know, a gathering space for the community after the year that we've had? Um, no shade to anybody who's doing it, but it is interesting and hard seeing people move away from it, entity after entity moving away from the Harry Potter world. Completely understand, like no shade, literally no shade. People have to do what they have to do. Um, but it is not uh, easy to sort of be the kind of only ones left standing on the field, on the Harry Potter community field, you know? Um, th- I mean, I, I, not only, obviously, there's, 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 Pottercast still exists, Mugglecast still exists, there's a lot of other, there's a lot of fan entities that celebrate Harry Potter. But um, in terms of events and in terms of um, pe- places where, where large swaths of the community gather, there's not that many of them. So Leaky Cauldron, Leaky Con, Pottercast, um, being in all of those still and saying no i'm not gonna i'm not gonna back down we're gonna talk about it a lot if you want to be depressed go look at the reviews of pottercast it is it is we get a lot of people really upset that we've taken the line we have taken about um about about it but we don't we don't we make no apologies for that we built the fan community the fans built the fan community and she doesn't get to take it away from us by being terrible to a, to a group of people who she says doesn't exist the way they say they do. I can't imagine something worse than telling somebody, hey, this aspect of your existence, I've decided is, is 
me personally, I've decided is not cool. And um, there has to be a place for processing that together as fans without just leaving the Harry Potter world to be only what she says alone. And it's so heartbreaking because she wrote the forward to my book. I used to have a good relationship with her. And now, and I used to be her biggest advocate in the fan world. And now it feels that like that is completely flipped. And if people think I do it glibly or that it's something I want to be doing, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're not correct. So, um, but it's not, it's not optional. This is not, it's not a choice. Recognizing the validity of a, of a marginalized group of people is something that's an automatic yes for everyone. Um, so, I guess it's a, lot, a long way of saying we're going to figure it out together the way the fandom was created together. And maybe that means we open our doors a little bit wider to some more um, entities. We're not going to change the name of LeakyCon again. That's not going to happen. We did it once. It was bad. We're going to not do that again. But it could it could widen its, its doors past just Harry Potter in the future. But I think for a year or two, we're going to just figure out who we are together as a community in this time of being in a community that stands in defiance of its creator. It's not something we ever wanted to do, but uh, you can't be for a community and then be against part of them. I'll just throw a shameless plug in here. Um, if you decide to start expanding fandoms, I would buy whatever the equivalent of a Marauder's Pass is for A Court of Thorns and Roses. Um, what is it called? A Court of Thorns and Roses. I'll write that down. Incredible book series. Just got optioned for a Hulu TV series. Um, it is the book series that's kind of going through the fandom right now. Okay. A lot of the Harry Potter fans are currently reading that. I see people holding that on TikTok a lot. Yeah, it's from okay. Sarah J. Mass. And it's a. am on book two. Um, Stephen, I'm assuming, is finished by now or on book five. I am almost done with the most recent book that's out there. Anywho, that's all to say that's there. No, I, and I will gladly line up for, again, equivalent <laughs> of a Marauder's Pass. I am there, in, done. Um, you know, it's funny, we, you know, we, we did a handful of, we continue to do episodes with, you know, members of marginalized communities who are also part of the Potter fandom um, and, and amplifying their voices has been and will continue to be super important. Um, but then of course, as a straight white male, I had to, of course, use leverage my podcast. And, you know, we basically, Danny and I basically, well, I, I basically shouted at Danny for a good 45 minutes about the cognitive dissonance of trying to make sense of what JKR said and done and how we can continue to talk about and in some way, shape or form promote, you know, this, this intellectual property and this content. And it comes down to exactly what you said, which is, you know, admitting and, and, embracing is not the right term, but, you know, admitting and openly calling out the harmful and frankly shameful rhetoric that she's used, but also saying it's about so much more than her and so much more than the seven books and the 10 movies. It's about, you know, singing total eclipse of the heart. And it's about, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's about deliriously getting drunk in an Airbnb in East Boston or, trying on my friend's Luna uh, lion head at an Airbnb in Dallas, right? Like that, that's what makes it. Um, yeah. And, and of course, listeners, if you don't know what we're talking about, please feel free to subscribe to Creating Magic and go back and listen to our full catalog of episodes, but that's neither here nor there. Let me uh, tell you that to making total Eclipse of the Heart synonymous with the Harry Potter fandom will be my legacy and I'm not mad about it. <laughs> I don't know how this happened. Let's just keep doing it. And we'll all show up for it. I love it. It's so weird. It's just <laughs> the most random weird thing. <laughs> but yeah, it is about those things more than her. And you're right. We have to keep propping up marginalized people in this community. It's, it's, it's important. We have offered, and if anyone wants to use this space to speak up or come on and talk about their experience. We have always been open because as, as Steven said, he is a straight male white guy. Straight white male. We don't necessarily have the 
we don't have the views of those marginalized people and we don't feel right for us to speak for them, but we offer them the space to speak um, and to discuss their experience. There's, there's layers of nuance to this, like uh, beyond that, right? Like, again, you in order to, to get on the mic here, we all kind of have to agree with kind of, you know, the starting point, which is what was said was at best misinformed and really at its core, deeply hateful, um, uh, ignorant and, and, and wrong. But from there, you know, what you choose to do with this fandom, with this community, with the series we're happy to listen to that nuance and to talk that through and to amplify your voice and share your lived experience. Um, because at some point, Danny's going to get tired and listeners are going to get tired of hearing from me. So, you know, we're, we're happy. We're happy for that. Um, you know, I think maybe a somewhat decent transition point, if there ever is one, I'm not sure if there is a decent transition point from talking about transphobia um, is I know on, on Twitter, particularly Melissa, you are, really accessible and, and, and really honest. And not that that is necessarily a surprise, but given a, how much frankly how busy you are, but B given the fact that you do have a very strong voice within the community and, and have a very strong reach. I'm just curious how you think about your, your vantage point on social media and, and how you communicate directly with the masses that way. I'm always careful to say that I'm that I've been called a leader in this fandom, uh, but I'm not calling myself one. But as someone who gets that title associated with her, it feels important in key moments to say things and to speak up and to make yourself, because you know, silence can say things also. But it also finding the line of when, all right, I've said my piece, now it's time to shut up and let the other people talk. That's a struggle for me forever, always has been, just because I'm mouthy, I'm a Sicilian, I'm loud, you know, and I'm, I have certain privileges that have encouraged those behaviors like that. That's hard. And also I have a decade or more of the Harry Potter community listening when I talk, you know, portions of it anyway, let's, let's not pretend the Harry Potter community is so, 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 so much bigger than the parts of it I access. But, um, so I, so I feel like it's important to, you know, when the leader, the leader, JK Rowling of the community, well, not of the community of the books, um says what she says people are going to look to people that they've heard from over the years i know that i looked at what are my wizard rock friends saying what are my trans harry potter friends saying like what like i you know i would go and look at those things and so understanding that some people would be asked would be looking and saying well what is what is what does melissa think of this of course i was going to say something but the bigger reason that i made sure to be very vocal about it was what happened afterwards which is um I opened up my DMs, which if you know my history is scary because I have a very committed stalker, very committed. Um, but um, it's been a little bit quiet for some time. So I went ahead and opened my DMs and said, you know, talk to me if you need to. I still have not gotten back to everybody who has, who contacted me through that method. And I try, I spent some, I spent a couple hours every week trying to like go through, make sure I'm, make sure I'm answering. Um, I, I will get to everybody. The outpouring of confused, sad, hurt. And it doesn't matter if they're um, tr cis or trans. It, it, they were, there were so many people in that. I mean, it matters, but you know what I mean? In, in that group of people who contacted me, just, just so full of confusion and hurt about about what was said and some of it genuine confusion some of it hey can you tell me what was so wrong about what she said because jk rowling is a very artful writer and you can paint something with a really compassionate brush hate can often be painted with a very compassionate brush and she was very good at that and so i do get a lot of like a lot of like uh hey why i don't understand what everybody's so upset about can you help and that's very important that me as a cis person goes and helps somebody else understand so that the trans person doesn't have to do it. Um, so if I can be that for some people to help them work through some of these feelings, I mean, I heard from people who Jake, they used to, who JK Rowling reached out to long ago and like did something really kind for them. And so thought of her in such, on such put her on such a heroic pedestal. And now that person has, has friends who are trans and she's, just so heartbroken that this person is saying that her friends aren't aren't 
who they say they are, you know, that her friends are, are predators trying to get into bathrooms that aren't their gender. Like, it's just gross what she's trying to peddle. And so there has to be, there have to be people in the community who will, who will counteract that, who aren't the targeted trans people and there are it's not just me obviously there are plenty of people who are out there saying i'm a harry potter fan i'm a cis person i will tell you if you want to know stop asking trans people but knowing that i'm a little bit more visible than a lot of other harry potter fans i i opened my dms for that and um that has been nothing but gratifying to do whatever small whatever small bit bit by bit person by person we can do to counteract and undo and then sometimes you know, sometimes I give in to fighting with somebody publicly. I don't like it, but sometimes I do it. And um, there was one, there was one long conversation that I just kept asking. I just kept asking him, okay, but why? But tell me why? But tell me this. But here's that. But you said this. But what's what was that? And at the end of the conversation, he said, okay, I never thought about it that way. And it was like, ah, got one. <laughs> it's like, and you're never gonna get everybody, but the fight's important. And I think um, you have to model that behavior so that other people do it as well. And with that definitely like echoes back to the core of, although you've done all these things that are Harry Potter related, your core has been the community more than just necessary, not necessarily the fandom, the, the actual books or the content. It's the people that make up the community. And um, what I've found is, is such a supportive community. And there's always people there that are willing to share and are willing to help yeah. to, get that information out and even just to educate a little. Yeah, they, um, I didn't know. So when I started in the Harry Potter community, I didn't know anything about this, nothing. I, and if, if J.K. Rowling had come out with this 15 years ago or 10 years ago, I might have absentmindedly read what she posted and thought, yeah, that sounds reasonable. But thank God, I know people now in this community is specifically um, my dear friend and educator, Jackson Bird, who, took the time to tell me about their experience and not just being trans, but other people in the community who are more queer than I am or who are, you know, uh, who are not white or, you know, who like give me what they don't have any, I don't have any entitlement to, which is to tell me about their experience and, and, and help me learn from it. And so I'm so grateful to like, to have met the wide range of people that I, you know, that I've, that I've met through this, through this world and, the community is so much more gratifying um, that way. Also, these days, now that the, the J.K. Rowling thing is kind of like a known fact, it's not surprising anymore. Now that it's known, especially through um, TikTok and various other pockets online, you see people really finding the joy again. In that there's a whole world of Harry Potter fans who, yes, they know what J.K. Rowling is doing, and they they are they deal with it when they can but they also are still finding the joy in harry potter and i think it's important to um reclaim that joy from her yes there's a there's an element of every time you speak the name harry potter you're you're promoting her that is always going to be true whether it's fan creation or official merchandise or the game or whatever that is going to be true so you got to pick and choose your battles where that where that's concerned um but there's no reason that we have to give it all up and walk away and leave and leave the, leave her to be the only voice speaking on this to her community. I don't want to do that. Do you want to do that? It's just, I'm babbling, but I just, <laughs> I feel strongly about it, damn it. <laughs> so with that, we do a section called Creator Shoutouts. So why don't we shout out some of our favorite people from this community? Well, you, you ruined my not ruined, uh, or buried the lead or jumped the lead, whatever it is. I was gonna talk about Sydney, who I love so much. Sydney Dean, who is this incredible artist. I met her at LeakyCon. Her stuff is just so magical and beautiful. I love it, I love it, I love it. I also love um, the Instagram of Brad Bakes. He does, he does, he's he's baking everything. He's He's cooking everything in Harry Potter, which I think is a, fantastic way to uh to to have joy in the books and my favorite favorite right now is she does McGonagall on TikTok you know I'm sure you've seen her there's no way you're a Harry Potter fan and you've avoided her videos Chan Willis 
Yeah, her handle is Chanwills0, C-H-A-N-W-I-L-L-S-0. Best McGonagall impression, funniest McGonagall impression. Uh, she does all these little skits. They're hilarious. If you want to see McGonagall cursing a blue streak, that's in there as well. Um, she's very viral, uh, but she's, oh man, she makes me laugh every single time. So that's three. Oh, and also one of our own things. Um, if you're interested, um, we do Harry Potter D&D, a podcast. Me and John and, and, and Frack and Brie of Pottercast do a podcast called Rule Nine and Three Quarters, which is Harry Potter, it's D&D skin to Harry Potter, and it's ridiculous and a lot of fun. As you were uh, going through those, I texted Danny and I said, go pull the Sid sketch piece off the wall. So we met Sydney at uh, Boston and I fell in love with her work right there and then. I was like, I need everything she's ever made in her life. And then I went and I surprised our friend group and I I commissioned Sydney to do a little group portrait of all of us. Danny, do you want to hold it up so we can see? Oh my God. I love it. Yeah, I um, love it. Oh, she drew the League of Cauldron staff surprised me for the ten year anniversary of my book. They commissioned me, and it's oh my god! I have to make it my 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 Twitter bio again. I, I switched it for a while, but it's it's very much it's so me. It's me with a blazer and jeans and Rothies because that's my convention uniform. It's all I wear. It's just so easy, and it's like right. It's like my style, but it's like I'm holding my book and I'm and I'm holding Harry's hand in the other hand, and nothing kind of sums me up <laughs> more than that. Than that. Well, she's so good at that because like Stephen's in the middle here, khakis and his Hufflepuff gear, uh-huh. and then very much me in overalls, which is my go-to clothing of choice. Like she got each of us. To a T, like there was no question who was who in the photo. Yeah, see, I'm a Patreon um, follower. I don't know what word Patreon uses. So I've got all, yeah, Patreon that, there we go. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? So I've got all the sit sketch stuff all over my house. I have, I have her newest monthly print right here. I just happened to be sitting here. She's the best. Oh, yeah, that's you. Yeah. yeah. I love that. <laughs> Yeah, it's my favorite. It's my favorite. Danny, um, who are your creator shoutouts for this episode? Seamlined Studios on Instagram. They are an apparel and clothing company. They also do scrunchies, but this won't matter to Stephen at all. But they make really cute circle skirts. Oh, nice! And they have some fan ones, and then just general ones. They have pride ones out right now, and they're just some fun circle skirts for people that like skirts. Cool. And then I'm going to also shout out our friend that we met in Dallas, um, who is also a regular vendor at LeakyCon, is um, Lunatic Life, aka Kelly. She does a lot of fun ornaments and figurines and I believe ceramic type things. So go check them out. What about you, Stephen? Yeah, so you know I do shout outs in threes. I don't know how to stick to one. Um, and Danny, you can keep me honest. You saw this in my show notes that I sent you over this morning. First one on there is Sydney. It's it sketch. Not just because <laughs> she is wonderful, but because, and again, the notes prove it, I've been running a subtle peer pressure campaign against her to start reading A Court of Thorns and Roses because the series, the characters are beautifully wrought. The scenery is absolutely visceral and beautiful. And I think Sydney's style and, and, and design sense would lend itself so perfectly um, to, to illustrating A Court of Thorns and Roses. So Sydney, you're wonderful and everyone knows that. This shout out is specifically geared towards pressuring you into reading those books. Um, and then I have two new accounts or newer accounts that I found that I wanted to give some love to. So uh, first is magically.kate who is a Gryffindor with two dogs named Draco and Bella. Um, also, again, A Court of Thrones and Roses had Night Court cited in her profile. So um, y'all go give Kate some love. Welcome to the Instagram community. And then the third and final, and boy, does this name come in hot, at Tom Riddle's fave Horcrux, a Slytherin who's doing a lot of cool park photos so far. Um, I mean, look, the name got me. The photos happened to be wonderful, but the photos could have been awful and the name would have had me sold regardless. 
Um, so y'all be sure to go give Magical Kate and Tom Riddle's Faith Horcrux some love. Uh, Melissa, before we let you go, and you've been more than generous with your time and, and your candor throughout the episode, um, let the listeners know, A, where they can find you on, on the internet and social media, but of course, B, um, how they can make their way to Denver in October. Cool. Um, first of all, I feel really weird that I shouted out my own thing on the creator chat. I just love Roll so much, and Frankie has put so much work into it that I that I I, I like I like pushing. It Steven regularly shouts out his own podcast, which is not this one. <laughs> yeah, I have another podcast. Follow the Pin Pod, uh, the podcast where we talk about pins. Uh, your cool. boy Steven, every week. So um, I'm at Melissa and Ellie on all of the things. So just anything you're on, Melissa and Ellie is, I, I grabbed the account. Um, so um, so that's where you can find me. And for LeakyCon, just go to LeakyCon.com where you can get all your updates. Make sure you're following our social, same thing at LeakyCon. I know it sounds like a plumbing convention, but it's really about Harry Potter. And uh, it's a marketing challenge, but we rise above. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, that's, 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 that's the long and short of it. I'm most active on Twitter, a little bit on Instagram, and I have an account, but no videos on TikTok. However, however, I have a dog TikTok. It's George the Pasta Pup is my dog TikTok, and he's delightful, and you should follow him. Definitely follow dog TikTok. I'm new to TikTok. I don't understand it completely. Dog yet, talk. So. TikTok, once it gets hold of what's in your brain, is awesome, but it's also very worrying. I went on a hike this weekend and as we were walking through the brush, I was going into the thick of it. Oh God. And, and it was, it was the worst. <laughs> My friends hated me. Getting um, tonight. I that. <laughs> yep. That's all I do now. It's uh, it's I a vicious cycle. TikTok so hard. Now I'm, I'm deep in. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Melissa, genuinely, thank you so much. We're of course looking forward to seeing you uh, in October and uh, yeah, best of luck getting everything figured out between now and then. Thank you. Fingers crossed. Thank you so much for having me.